You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, a few different things that I want to go over. Uh, Why don't we start with this? Uh, Via Ian Rappaport, the commander's coach, Ron Rivera, has decided that quarterback Carson Wentz is now their starter against the Browns. He's informed the quarterbacks of his move. So I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't have any idea what was going on in Washington. Didn't know, didn't care, wasn't paying attention. I didn't even know Carson was. I, th- this is partly the issue with not playing fantasy football. I have no idea what's going on with other teams. Didn't realize how valuable that was. But Carson broke his finger, I guess, and then recently came back, and they kept Tyler Heineke in, Taylor Heineke in, Tyler Taylor, whatever. And the 49ers came into town, and Washington sucked. And so Ron Rivera's like, all right, dude, Carson, why don't you go out there, Taylor? Tyler, why don't you sit down? And uh, Carson went out there, and they still lost. And so then after the game, Ron Rivera says, you know, we, we didn't really bench him. We just wanted to see where Carson was at so we could figure out which quarterback we wanted. And then Heineke went to the podium. He's like, I get it, dude. I sucked, and they benched me. Whatever, man, it happened. So he was under no illusion of what the real situation was. So they reevaluated the situation, and big shocker, they decided to go with Carson Wentz. The question, though, is, considering the, I would say, the, the biggest risk of us not getting in, aside from the Packers not winning out, which is the most obviously difficult path, in my opinion, is probably the commanders going 2-0. The Colts are not a good football team, first of all. And Dallas is, if there's any team that is carrying the, the banner of fraud as well as the, as the Vikings, which nobody is in NFL history, but it would probably be the Dallas Cowboys. They, they just, for whatever reason, are not looking as good as their record. On top of that, they've got the playoffs locked up in Week 18. So if Dallas takes their foot off the gas in Week 18 and Washington's able to beat Cleveland, we could be in some serious trouble, and all of this was for nothing. Now, the other path is that the Giants lose two in a row, obviously. The biggest issue with that is they're playing the Colts this week. Now, I don't, I'm not sure who's worse, but I'm leaning Colts. If, if the Giants lose to the Colts, 
which would be amazing, I think they're done. Now, Philadelphia also has Week 18 locked up, but I think even Philadelphia's backups would stomp out the Giants at this point because the Giants are pathetic. Because we, we, we got to remember, everybody's looking at this like, dude, I remember when the Colts were, were running through people. I remember when Washington was looking good. I remember when uh, the Colts for like two seconds were looking good. Maybe I said that. The Giants, Washington, the Colts. There are a lot of teams, the Jets, for a period of time, like, dude, they're really, this is, this is just a different team. That isn't the case anymore. The only teams the Giants have beaten uh, recently since their bye in Week 9 and even prior to that, they lost to Seattle. Then they had a bye. Then they beat the Texans, whoop de doo They lost to Detroit. They lost to the Cowboys. They uh, tied the Commanders. And then they lost to Philadelphia. They beat the Commanders. And then they lost to Minnesota. They, they, they have not won football games. But neither have the Colts. And this is why I made fun of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, might have even mentioned these records already. But the Colts, last few games... Lost to the Chargers, lost to the Vikings, lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Steelers, lost to the Eagles, beat the Raiders, congratulations, beat the Raiders by five, lost to the Patriots, lost to the Commanders, lost to the Titans. They suck. They suck. So I think the Giants and, the, and Washington are going to win this week is my concern. And then next week, the Giants are already, we, we, we can't, they can't help us get in. So then it just comes down to Washington losing to Dallas. So I am desperate for the Colts to find a way to dig deep and win, but Washington feels like the only way, and I'm nervous. So that brings us back to this original point. Carson Wentz is starting. Is that better or worse for us? A lot of people are already jumping on it saying, hey, this is good for the Packers. Well, um, that's entirely possible. Uh, Obviously, the coaching staff doesn't feel that way, which would be the first knock against it, but... If you look at their record straight up, Taylor Heineke, uh, 5-3-1 is his record. Carson Wentz, 2-4. However, as I've said, there's a difference between you know winning and losing and also expectations. If you win barely against teams you're supposed to blow out of the water as opposed to lose barely to teams that you're supposed to get annihilated by, it's possible that the team that or the, the games in which you lost, you were more impressive than the games in which you won. So the bigger question that I had, and I, I ruled out um, week 16 because uh, both quarterbacks played. I know it was mostly Taylor Heineke, but I don't know to what degree who contributed what or whatever. So just looking at weeks 1 through 15 or games 1 through 14, however you want to phrase that, how did the quarterbacks do compared to expectations? And the way in which I did that is simple. Let's use week one as an example. Now, granted, early in the season is tough because Vegas doesn't really know what these teams are about. But week one, the Washington Commanders were favored by three over Jacksonville. They won by six. So Carson Wentz, and I know it's not just Carson Wentz, but we're comparing the team when one quarterback's there compared to the other, exceeded expectations by three points. So he gets three points against Detroit. They're one-and-a-half-point underdogs. They lose by nine. Against Philly, they were six-point underdogs. They lost by 16. So that would be negative 10 for Carson Wentz, and on and on and on. So while it's true, I believe, that Carson Wentz did have a tougher stretch, it's also true that he underperformed based on expectations, even up against those tougher teams. And so the conclusion that when you add all that up, weeks one through six, Washington— under Carson Wentz, 
underperform by 25.5 points. That is to say, they underperformed by 4.08 points. So for example, if we just look at this particular game, Commanders-Browns, the Commanders are uh, two-point favorites against the Browns. So the expectation, based on what Carson Wentz has done, is that they lose by two points. What about Taylor Heineke, though? The question really should be, who's the better quarterback? Is this better for us or worse than us? Worse for us? Because if you look at PFF, Taylor Heineke is graded out worse than Carson Wentz. So that's, that's just sitting there, that this is an upgrade based on the quarterback or whatever. From week 7 through uh, 15 or whatever, the Washington Commanders overperformed by 29.5 points. Some of the biggest ones were Green Bay. They were four and a half point underdogs, and they won by uh, two points. Philadelphia, they were ten and a half point underdogs and won by eleven points. And then the next week against Houston, they were three point favorites and won by thirteen. Under Heineke, they exceeded expectations by three point seven points. So here's the summary, and I'll let you decide what you think is the reality. The Washington football team was a better team under uh, Taylor Heineke than they were under Carson Wentz. However, Carson Wentz is graded out as a better quarterback than Taylor Heineke. Now, is that because of the quarterback, or is that just the ebbs and flows of a football team? Let me just show you something else, because again, you pick random points and it kind of shows one way or another. If you look at the positives and negatives, here's how it plays out. They started off with a positive three, but then it was negative 7.5, negative 10, negative 12, negative 2. 4, 6, 4, 0, 21, 10, 2, then negative 2, negative 12, negative 10. So they started with four out of their five games being negative. Then they went on a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 games being either positive or not negative. One of them was a 0. And have ended with three straight negative games. Started cold, hot right in the middle, right when they played the Packers, obviously, and then got cold again. Now, I guess either way, this is somewhat of a positive. The team was bad under Carson Wentz. It seems like they're getting bad again. Maybe they are better off with Carson than with Taylor Heineke. But what matters most of all is, is this team going to be worse off? And to be honest, the worst two-game stretches they've had were when they played in weeks three and four against Philly and Dallas. They had a negative 10 and a negative 12. These last two weeks, negative 12.5, negative 10.5. So this is the worst two-game stretch compared to expectations. They were supposed to win against the Giants by four and a half points. They lost by eight. And they were six and a half point underdogs against San Francisco. They lost by 17. So right now, the Washington Commanders are at their absolute worst. And let's be honest, whether Carson is the better quarterback or not, he's coming off of injury. And these quarterback changes are usually not super great. Right, we've seen it when you go from uh, the Jets. They they swap back and forth. They, they, you don't do that when your team is just on fire, right? So the the only real negative here is they get a softball game, and it could be a get right game for Carson. They win the game. He kind of works out some of the bugs, and then the better quarterback comes back and is able to play against uh, who the heck are they playing next week again? Is it uh, Dallas? I think. Then they're going up against Dallas. And you get the better quarterback up against a, I don't really care because we're already in the playoffs, Dallas Cowboys. So I will let you decide what you think is best. Um, again, I, I personally think the most encouraging thing is that they've underwhelmed for three weeks in a row and it seems to be getting worse, which is probably part of the reason they benched Tyler. Uh, I can't figure it out. 
Heineke. Just say Heineke. It's probably part of the benching is that the team has just been really bad. And again, you look at, well, they with San Francisco. What do you expect? Well, I'm telling you what you expect is to lose by 6.5 and they lost by 17. And they were supposed to beat the Giants and lost by eight. So, and, and the team knows this. They, they understand what it means to underwhelm as opposed to, you know, you know even the Houston, oh, wow, you beat Houston, big deal. They were three-point favorites and won by 13. So I guess my thought is, regardless of the quarterback, that's the most encouraging part. The question is, is this team bad enough to lose to Cleveland? And, and, and I think so, because Cleveland isn't, you know, the, the, the Colts thing and the Giants is a little bit more scary because the Colts suck, although the Giants suck, I think, more than Washington does. Yes, I know the Giants just beat them. I'm just saying, based on how they've been doing. And actually, that is quite encouraging, the fact that they played the Giants back-to-back and uh, they, they uh, tied them and then lost to them. And were negative in both of those games. But only being two-point favorites, um, if you just look at the last three weeks, being two-point favorites would lead to a tie, a 10-point loss, and an eight-point loss. And a tie would not be good, by the way. Something else I want to talk about is the Elton Jenkins contract. We've already kind of talked about it, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just completely lost here. Um, Ken Ingalls put together an estimate for how his contract could, would, should be structured, whatever. And it's something to this effect. 2022, $9 million. Uh, 2023, $6.8 million. We're talking cap hit, how much he's going to be on the cap. 2024 jumps up to 15.8, 2025, 16.3, and 2026, 24.8. All right, fair enough. So basically in 2023, it's a really low cap hit. Then it jumps up to close, not even, I mean, he's averaging 17 million a year. So it's not even at that, 15.8, then 16.3. Then it jumps up to nearly 25. Um, Now, Couple things in mind. Number one, Rodgers is going to be leaving at some point. It might be after this year, it might be after next year. I don't know, but that's going to be a massive, massive uh, relief of the salary cap. Secondly, the salary cap is exploding. Um, but there's there's this thing brewing, and I, Ken Ingles had said it, and a bunch of other people are commenting on it, and that is in 2026 he's gone because there's no way we're paying him this much money. And the number is $24.8 million. I don't know why that would be such an, a burdensome contract for a guard. Maybe in 2022. We're talking four years from now. Do you know how quickly the salary cap accelerates? I mean, it wasn't that long ago that like guards were making 10. Now they're literally making 20. The highest paid guard in football is making 20. And so the, the general thought is in 2026, he's either playing tackle or they're moving on, which also, even if this is burdensome, who cares? He's young enough that you can give him a new contract and spread the money out. So it doesn't really matter. But just just bear with me. Even if he's not, I thought there was a chance 24.8 would be his contract, period. Like they would give him a, a 24, $25 million contract because if he's a tackle, he could be getting top tackle money. They paid him less than top guard money. 24.8 is not even probably... I don't even think top guard money is, is, is going to be that low at that time. Now, granted, if somebody gets, like, for example... Uh, what the heck? I can never remember the guy's freaking name. Quentin Nelson is the one that got the $20 million. Now, it's entirely true that, you know, well, yeah, it was only a $10 million cap hit and then a $12 million. Do you know what his cap hit is in 2024, though? $25.2 million in 2024. He'll be 28 years old. Do you think they're going to cut him? What are they going to do? Nothing. 
I don't know, maybe they'll they'll do something to the contract to lower that, but that doesn't even make sense because it goes from 25 to 22 to 24. What are you going to do? Push some of that 25 into the later years so that in 2025 it's 25 and in 2026 it's 27 million? We're talking about four years from now when tackles will be making 30 million and guards will be making 25. Elton Jenkins will be sitting at 24, and that's so burdened. We have a running back next year making 20. You want to talk about burdensome. And we're still sitting here going, eh, I don't know. Probably have to move on or do something. I don't really know what, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Might, might just keep him. He's looking pretty good. By the way, I just, I don't think you can keep him. I, I love Aaron Jones, and he's had about half the year, he has just been one of the most impressive running backs in all of football. But we would save $16 million. On top of the part where you just don't pay $20 million for a running back, especially when you have a running back that you just invested a second-round pick in a couple years ago. But I mean, but, but here's the thing. Again, we're talking top money, right? Aaron Jones is going to be hitting the cap at $20 million. The highest-paid average right now is Christian McCaffrey, who got $16 million on average. He's going to be $4 million above the top average. Guards will be making that much money. They're already at 20. They'll, somebody will hit 24 by that point in four years. And again, there's a good chance he's playing tackle. And again, even if he's not playing tackle, you don't have to cut him. It might be a, a slightly above what you'd like to see. I mean, granted, say top average is 16. If Aaron Jones was getting 16 next year, would we be like, oh, well, that's much better? No, it's still like, dang, that's pretty high. But I, I just... The only reason I would think you could look at 24 and say that's crazy is to assume that we're looking at it through the lens of what 2022 money is. And if we're just looking at him as a guard and we're just looking at 2022, yes, 24 and a half is too much. But tackles right now are at, at 23. So we're talking in four years, he's making $1 million to eat. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I would not be surprised if tackles are making 28 to 30 in four years. I mean, Lane Johnson got his second contract at 29 years old in 2019. Four years ago, it was $18 million. It's gone up $5 million. And we're not even talking about those first-year big-time contracts. We're talking about this is his second big-time contract, and he's getting old. And that's three years. That was 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. In three years, it's gone up $5 million. In 2018, the highest was 16, so it went up $2 million in one year. 2017, five years ago, the highest paid tackle was Trent Williams at 13.6. It's gone up $10 million in five years. And you got to understand, it goes up exponentially. So if it went up $10 million in five years, it's going to go up probably more than $10 million in the next five, or let's say $8 million in the next four, which would already put us over 30. You could probably push that up to nine or 10 in the next four years, which would put you at 31, 32, 33 for tackles. And guards five years ago were making 12. So it's gone up seven in five years. So let's say it goes up seven in four. We're talking 27 million for top guards, but even call it 25. Very unlikely it's sitting at 24, which is where Elton's going to be. And, and again, not only does it naturally go up exponentially, but we've got this massive infusion of cash coming because of these big TV deals and gambling money and all this stuff that's coming in. It's going to go up even more than it has been. Even more than went up went up seven million in five years. It might go up ten million in four or five years for guards. So guards will be making thirty, tackles will be making thirty-five. I mean, I don't know, 
But I'm saying, in four years squabbling over his $24 million, I think that's going to be stupid. And by the way, the odds that we're going to be paying top quarterback money to anybody is almost zero. I mean, unless Jordan Love really, you know, let's say Rodgers plays next year, Jordan decides not to force his way out. So that's 2023. So then Jordan Love plays in 2024, and he really impresses. And so he gets his big contract in 2025. But when is the big cap hit going to take place? Probably 2027 before it really starts to hit the cap. And that's if Jordan Love is the answer. If not, we're going to play this dance where we're, you know, drafting and trying to get him da 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 da. And well, he's you know, give that a couple years, and now no, that's not really the guy. And then we're floundering and blah blah blah, that whole thing. So again, I just wanted to touch on that because I, I just I'm just confused by the idea that his cap hit is just insane in 2026. I don't think that it is. It's it's less than five million above top guard money, and we're talking four years from now. I think that's incredibly manageable. I think if you were to compare it to the Aaron Jones situation, it would be more closely tied to him being around 15 million as opposed to 20. And yeah, right now, even at 15 million, it's a little hefty. But that's largely because we really just need some cap relief. If we didn't, 15 million for Aaron Jones, who cares? Pay it. Again, it's not even top running back money. Anyways, I just wanted to touch on that a little bit because I, I just, uh, the, the whole Elton Jenkins thing has just confused me. I mean, e- even people coming in like, oh, wow, we overpaid. Like, what are you talking about? Overpaid for what? Elton Jenkins is a very good football player. He got injured, but there's no reason he shouldn't do what every other person does and say, hey, I'm next in line. Give me the top money. It's what Jair did. It's what Bakhtiari did. It's what Kenny, uh, Kenny Clark did. It's what everybody does. I'm next in line. Give me that money. And there's only two ways you get that money. Number one, you prove that you are that dude and you get top money, or you prove that you're not that dude, but you're going to keep lingering around for a little bit. So you're going to get kind of bottom of the barrel money. Guys like, for example, Al Lazard, Robert Tunyon. Elton is not that. And he's not a, a mid range free agent that's going to get mid range money. He is a guy that has established himself as the Offensive guard slash offensive tackle of the future of the Green Bay Packers. He's a second-round pick that is one of the better offensive linemen in football that happened to have gotten injured. And again, my thought is I would be stunned if there isn't one of 32 teams that isn't willing to say, this dude can play tackle. I'm going to take him as a tackle if you won't pay him as such. And Elton's going to hold out for that and say, we're not accepting anything. I, 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 I can't even fathom being Elton Jenkins' agent and getting that contract and, thing, and, and not just laughing in the Packers' face. Listen, if you want to treat him as a guard, fine, but you're going to give him top guard money and kind of paltry tackle money. I'm talking like $21 million. Highest paid guard in football by a million dollars, which is a big jump. But also that's largely because, let's be honest, he's probably going back to tackle. The only reason that he would get paid what he got paid is essentially the Packers said, you are a guard, and, and Elton and his agent are like, yeah, that sounds good. That's kind of what we think too. What? The guy was a tackle the entire, I mean, he got hurt last year, but the entire year last year, he played tackle and he was one of the best tackles in football. How do you just concede? And it's a, well, there's something in his contract where he gets a bump. Yeah, a bump up to what, 18? <laughs> Come on. Again, top tackle money's 23. That's not a bump. Man, I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm beyond happy that we locked him up. We were able to get one of our top uh, draft picks at, a complete discount is fantastic news for me. The final bit of news I wanted to uh, talk about real quick is the fact that Mr. Dean Lowry is officially being sent to IR. Um, he was injured, and uh, presumably that would have meant a little bit more time for Devontae Wyatt. This means a lot, a lot, a lot more time 
for Devontae Wyatt. But beyond that, we didn't just move him to IR, which I think I mentioned yesterday. Um, but we actually added Mr. Bo Melton. And I say that simply because it is my duty, uh, maybe three, four, five times a year, to give this same speech every single time. I think it only applies really to wide receivers, but occasionally it applies to other position groups. Let me just go through a couple tweets to preface this. We signed Bo Melton, wide receiver, to fill the spot of Dean Lowry. This is a tweet via Peter Bukowski. Bo Melton was a Packers-type pre-draft, one of Jacob Morley's favorite day three wide receivers. This is via Jason Hershorn, posting his RAS. As for the players signed to fill Dean Lowry's spot, Bo Melton checks plenty of athleticism boxes for the Packers. 9-2-3 RAS, 4-4-3 40-yard dash, uh, 4-1 shuttle, uh, his vert was 38 inches. Shorter guy, 5'10", 189, smaller guy, I should say. This is via Luke Beller, who I think has a YouTube channel. Um, Packers' newest wide receiver, Bo Melton, ran a faster 40, 434, than Christian Watson, 436. He's 5'11", 189 pounds, seventh-round draft pick in 2022 by the Seahawks, spent all year on the practice squad. He says in another tweet, looks like Bo Melton is fast, fast, with the uh, big eyeball emojis and whatnot. Uh, Andy Herman makes a comparison to Alan Lazard. December 18th, 2018, Packers poach wide receiver Alan Lazard from the Jaguars practice squad. December 27th, 2022, Packers poach wide receiver Bo Melton from the Seahawks practice squad. Anyways, you get the point. This is what happens every single time. We we sign some guy that's never done anything who is going to be our, what is he going to be? Wide receiver, what do we got? Watson, Dobbs, Lazard, Randall, Ture, wide receiver six, is that right? Or is he seven? Is there somebody else in there? He's going to be, let's say, wide receiver six on our team. He was already on a team and was on the practice squad. By the way, not all of the tweets are uh, positive. This is via Badger Noonan. Bo Melton ranked 229th of 321 qualifying receivers in the WROPS, whatever that is, in his final season of college football. Oh, looks like it's a proprietary thing from Acme Packing Company. Anyways, he goes on to say he was slightly less productive than an average receiving running back. So we signed a guy that was not very good in college, was drafted, I think, in the seventh round, sat on the Seahawks practice squad all year. We picked him up off the practice squad. He runs really fast, and so we just assume he's going to be great. We do the same thing with really tall guys. Travis Fulgham, who was here just to fill a spot for a second, a guy that had played in the system for you know a little bit of time, and then immediately when we had some uh, enough guys back, he was gone. By the way, if, if Bo Melton was a serious target for the Packers, they could have picked him up a long time ago. You might remember when we cut uh, Sammy Watkins. That would have been an opportunity right there. We didn't do it. We elevated a third running back. So look, I, 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 as somebody who's watched people come over here and impress time and time and time and time and time and time again, just come out of nowhere and do stuff with zero expectations... I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know for a fact he's not going to do anything, but I am going to tell everybody to please freaking calm down. Every single time we go out and get a wide receiver, there's like 20% of the fan base that is positive that he's going to be a superstar. From Reggie Begleton to Malik Taylor, even drafted guys like Equinemia St. Brown, uh, Devin Funches, I think I said Reggie Begleton already, uh, Michael Clark, really tall guy. 
you know, seventh round pick D'Angelo Yancey, Jamon Moore. I mean, it, it, we just, we always assume every wide receiver. This is why I was skeptical of um, Romeo Dobbs. Because it's like, I know, I've heard this a thousand times. Jamon Moore is this great route runner. He's going to shock everybody. He's going to shock the world. Fourth round pick. Same thing they said about Romeo Dobbs. It's like, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. Same thing with um, Samori Turi, seventh round pick. Like, I, I've heard the same things when you talked about, you know, not even D'Angelo Yancey. He was a fifth round pick. Who was the seventh round pick that year? There was a seventh round pick, I thought, that was... Anyways, whatever. I heard the same stuff about Yancey. Oh, Malachi Dupree, that was the guy. Malachi Dupree, seventh round pick. Oh, man, he's going to show everybody. Maxwell McCaffrey, he had a real big training camp. He's going to be a star. He ends up not even, I don't even think he made the team and everybody lost their mind. How could you? He's so good. So again, I, I'm, I'm not saying he's not going to be good. What I am saying is let's start with a baseline of zero and see what we can build from there. Because if, if the guy's good at football... You'll have to explain why he was drafted so late and didn't even make the active roster in Seattle. I understand these things happen sometimes, but it's more likely that the guy's maybe just not good at football, which is what everything would indicate at this point. So anyway, starting from the position of I don't know anything about the guy, let's say this. 5'11", 189, runs really, really fast. That's not a bad thing, by the way. So then let's look at the preseason. Overall, offensively, he had a 57 Uh, 0.3 grade playing for Seattle against Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Dallas. He played 98 snaps, uh, 65 as a receiver, one as a runner, 32 as a run blocker. Surprisingly, by the way, that's his best attribute at 5'11", 189 is his run blocking. So (laughs) the the guy runs a, uh, what was it, a 5'3", 5'3", Blazing fast and can run block. There's no question why the Packers would pick him up, despite him not meeting the height weight thresholds, which again, as I've said a billion times, they're guidelines, they're not hard limits, which actually works to his favor because clearly the Packers are looking at him saying he's too small. However, you're willing to make exceptions in certain situations. For example, the guy's a good run blocker and he's really fast. All right, let's move on from there and see what we've got with uh, Mr. What's his nuts? Receiving. 13 targets, 7 receptions, 89 yards, 12.7 yards per reception is what he did in the preseason. Unfortunately, of those uh, 13 targets, he had 3 drops, which is a lot of drops. He had uh, 3 targets, 2 receptions, and a drop against Pittsburgh his first game. Against Chicago, 9 targets, 4 catches, and 2 drops. Again, a lot of drops. And then against Dallas, 1 target, 1 reception, 24 yards. Uh, one interesting little aspect though, against Dallas, he had one rushing attempt for six yards. So he's sort of like a, by the way, for those that are wondering, no, he is not, uh, he's not a slot guy. Cause you could look at it and say, is he like a, a Randall Cobb kind of replacement? And, and, and maybe the Packers would want to look at that, you know, in the future, because he, he played 42% in the slot week one, 27% week two and 50% week three, which would be three out of six opportunities. By the way, his opportunities plummeted in that week three game. He had 40 in week two, which was his most... There's an inverse relationship between the amount of time he played and how good he was. Let's put it that way. So look, um, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm partially talking to myself about this because there is that part of me that's like, dude, like imagine him. Maybe he's going to do like punt return or something. Super fast. 
wide receiver screens, jet sweeps, Christian Watson and Bo Melton. You want to talk about speed for days, son? Trust me, I'm there. I'm just trying to talk myself down a little bit as well. Because the reality is, he's not that dude. Special teams, uh, Seattle did not have him doing any kind of um, return work. However, he did do some in college. Um, He was at Rutgers from 2017 to 2021. Starting in 2020, they started giving him some opportunities. Honestly, he was a really good kickoff return. You know what? You know what? I wonder if this is a Keyshawn Nixon thing. He's not a punt. He wasn't really a punt returner. He was a kickoff returner, and he was very good at it, by the way. Six returns, 177 yards, 39 yards was his longest, 29.5 average in 2021. Not quite as good, but still. Um, He did kick and punt, was better at kickoff return. Five returns, 119 yards, 53 yards was his long, 23.8 yards per attempt at punt return. Five returns, 38 yards, 13 yards was his longest, 7.6 yards per return. (laughs) Searching Twitter for answers on uh, Keyshawn Nixon if he's doing okay. And I see Ferd Turgeson here saying, Keyshawn Nixon is Snoop Dogg's nephew. <laughs> this is where you get all the real important information, man. That is pretty funny. You should just go on Twitter and type in different players' names. You get all kinds of information. You got Bruce Irons here. Keyshawn Nixon is such a crazy story. His high school didn't have him return kicks. His college didn't have him return kicks. The Raiders didn't have him return kicks. The Packers didn't have him return kicks until the middle of the season. Now he leads the NFL in kick return yards plus average. I think he is number one in yards, even though he hasn't started since midseason. I haven't looked that up, but it's pretty crazy. But honestly, even if it's not a, a Keyshawn Nixon kick return thing, you, you wonder about punt return because they're putting Randall Cobb back there. Um, it seems like they're a little bit unsettled on whether or not they want Keyshawn or somebody else doing that. Like He's for sure the kick return guy, uh, but punt return might be, I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know there was some talk about Rodgers maybe hinting that they're going to play. I don't think Rodgers necessarily knows, but I guess if it's not serious, he probably would know. In other words, if they're completely fine. Matt LaFleur says that they're day-to-day, pretty much saying all these guys, Christian Watson, Nixon, uh, Nyman, they're all day-to-day. So I don't know, but I I would wonder if that's a big part of it, Um, especially punt return. He just kind of has those punt return vibes, you know? Not just fast, but shifty. Feels punt returny to me, even though I know that wasn't necessarily his thing. I'm just saying it's something, it's something to think about. But in order of what I think is happening here, number one, it's a guy that they liked, that they have an opportunity to grab now that we've kind of gotten to the point where we're losing a lot more guys and need to start filling more spots. He was just next on the list, and so they grabbed him. Um, and he's probably not going to play very much, if at all. Number two, he's coming in with a specific role in mind, probably on special teams, primarily as a returner. I know Seattle didn't use him that much for that reason, but it was just preseason, and they never gave him the opportunity. Rutgers did, and he did a good job. So he leads the league in kick return yards. He has the third longest return of the year in kick returns. Uh, He's third in, in yards per attempt on kick returns and is the second highest in yards per attempt on punt returns at 15.3. So anyways, yeah, maybe Bo Melton's a special teams thing. I don't know. Um, why don't we take a break here? Patreon.com for podcast, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find them at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and um, we're going to turn it over to YouTube and yell at people for being stupid. Sound good? All right. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. 
We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I want to start with this. Um, To be fair, Michael Irvin was on talking about the Packers and all that stuff. Um, Again, with the guy whose name I can't remember, the quarterback guy. But um, to be fair, Irvin, I think, was mostly fair. I think what he said was was not terrible, but I do want to comment on this situation because it's in and Irvin doesn't even necessarily directly say it, but I've heard other people say it, so he's going to be the representative of this particular opinion, even if he doesn't necessarily hold it because I just want to talk about something. But here's Michael Irvin. It worked out. It worked out. I, I, I think they... It's very quiet. Beat, who they beat? Chicago. They, they beat st- some of the worst teams in the NFL on this little three-game stretch that they right. are on, except Miami except Miami, who Miami gifted it because they came down there on Christmas and they wanted it to be a good gift, and they gave all those interceptions. Minnesota ain't going to be bypassed it just like you bypassed well, it. Minnesota will knock them out this week and prove that they are that they, they don't want to see them in the playoffs. Well, all right, so here, here's the situation. Now, first of all, he gave them, at least gave them credit for uh, Miami, but then goes on to say, but Miami only lost because he gifted them those, them those interceptions. And Minnesota won't do that. Now, it's not exactly what he said, but I, I just want to point something out because that's that is something I've seen crop up a couple times, and that is, wow, you got a bunch of second half interceptions or, or fourth quarter interceptions. Congratulations. You won't be seeing that from from Kirk Cousins. I don't know about that, Chief. I found myself a bit curious about that situation, about the fact that the Packers got gifted something in the fourth quarter, but clearly that won't happen again. And the reason I thought of it is because I distinctly remember back to the first laughing at the enemy with the Minnesota Vikings. I think it was against the Eagles, so that would have been, what, week two? And um, they were talking about Kirk definitely won't throw an interception, and he goes and throws an interception in the end in the end zone at the end of the game. But anyways, I wanted to look it up. Kirk Cousins, as far as quarterbacks that are going to be playing this upcoming week, has the four, uh, fifth worst record of second-half interceptions. Number one is Davis Mills of the Texans. Then there's Derek Carr of the Raiders, who has eight. Davis Mills has nine. Um, And then actually, Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady are tied with seven. Again, Pat Mahomes is really bad in so many metrics, but it just doesn't matter because the Chiefs keep winning. 
And then uh, Kirk Cousins is next after that with six. He is tied with Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, and Justin Fields. So clearly this isn't a metric of best and worst quarterbacks, right? You've got Davis Mills mixed with Pat Mahomes, mixed with Kirk Cousins, mixed with uh, Justin Fields and Josh Allen. But it is pointing specifically at the idea that, by the way, I didn't mention Tua, you might notice. Even with the three that he threw in this game, Tua's not on this list. Tua has thrown five, which is to say there was two coming into this game, which is to say he was one of the best second-half quarterbacks at not throwing interceptions in the second half. And now we're going up against Kirk Cousins, who's one of the worst at throwing interceptions just in the second half. So again, I will repeat myself. If you think the Vikings are going to win, I don't have any issue with that. I'm not sure if the Packers or the Vikings are going to win. I haven't even gotten to the point of trying to make up my mind yet. And I'm sure there's a lot of really good arguments. I can tell you flat out the stuff that I'm scared of. But what I don't like is when people just say random stuff that isn't true. The Packers should be um, disregarded because they've won three games against the Bears and the, and the Rams. Hmm, I thought you said three. What was it? Oh, doesn't uh, go. Okay, what about Minnesota on a two-game win streak against worst team? By the way, actually, you know what? I think we have that coming up, so I'm going to wait on that. Actually, no, let's do it now. Let's, let, let, let's compare, because the, the funny thing is, the Packers have been cast aside because the Rams and the Bears suck. And, you know, Miami, well, and, and now, now, oh man, everyone's just doing backflips because Tua has a concussion. Now it's the concussed Tua that threw three interceptions. Here, here, I want to play this for you, though. This is via uh, Pat McAfee. Let's just see what they have to say. This is interesting, isn't it? Does anyone remember who the quarterback was last year, last year for the Broncos? Hold oh, no, on, let's play the game. Let's play the game. It was at, uh, it was at uh, Drew Luck. Yeah. Yeah. For a couple games. And ripping a little bit. A couple games. Yeah. Ripping came in and won a game from this year. Yeah. Teddy Bridgewater started 14 games yeah. last year. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy B. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because Carolina traded him out. Because remember That's Baker. That's right. Oh, yeah. So they get way worse this year with Russ as quarterback. Well, and then Baker. Darnold was. Ends up. Yeah, he's gonna start for a team next year. Bro, he's the one. He's the one that put the final. Yeah, yeah put the put nail in the coffin. Fifty-one to fucking fourteen yesterday. What a joke. Baker's. He looked great. Really good. He's gonna be. Well, hey, hey, let's not. He's moving to Indy. I saw he was already looking at houses. Either him or Derek Carr. Come on, Bake. It stay there. with him though. <laughs> like Bake, it actually does seem like he may have cut because you can say whatever you want about Cleveland and like the way his teammates thought of him and you know his relationship with them. It seems like you know to his credit, he has kind of grown up a little bit and he kind of gets it because it does yeah. seem like those guys actually love playing with him. Well, it's been really clear skies. True. Since mm-hmm. he's gotten in there. Yeah, exactly. Real, the rest real good honeymoon. It is a great way to build a but relationship. But even in Carolina, when he wasn't starting, you know, and I there's agree. the video of him headbutting Ooh. the dudes coming off the side. Like, it seems like he actually has kind of taken to heart, like, oh, maybe I was a little bit of a shit heel and I have some growing up to do. Baker went 24, 28, 230, Jesus. and two tuds. Pretty good. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Cam Akers, 23 rushes, 118 yards, three tuds. <laughs> Tyler Hemby. Oh, no. Yeah. Nine receptions, 94 yards, two tuds. 
I mean, the Rams, and Sean McVay was having a time of his life, it appears. The Rams are taking advantage of what Baker does best. Yes. And that's what everybody on the internet is saying. It's crazy what Baker has the capability of doing whenever he has an offense coordinator and a head coach that likes him. Yeah. Because remember the whole conversation about Stefanski, mm-hmm. and Stefanski has Stefanski's offense. That. Yep. All right, I wanted him to finish that thought, but it takes him 45 minutes to get to the end of that. He is, he is I think he's worse than me at not getting to the point. It's so hard to pull clips of Pat McAfee because it's like, I want you to talk about this. He's like, all right, give me 17 minutes to kind of beat around the bush here. But let me ask you a question. Are the Rams a terrible football team? Because I think everyone's doing to the Rams exactly what I've been saying about the Packers and the Vikings and everybody else. Well, the Packers suck. How do you know? Well, I saw them in September and October. The Vikings are really good. How do you know? Well, look at how good they were early on. The Vikings are better than the Packers. How do you know? Well, look at week one. Here, here's, here's something that I'm going to ask you to do when I play this clip of, of the Vikings guy. Same guy as last time. Disregard any argument that is pre-week 10 or week 8, or pick a, pick a random week. Prior to that, doesn't count, doesn't matter. You know what's left? Nothing. But look at the Rams. How do you know the Rams are a bad football team? Well, look at their record. No, no, no. I didn't say that they've had a good season. I'm asking you right this second, if you were to play the Rams today, are they a good or a bad football team? I know that they lost one, two, three, four, five, six games in a row after their bye, before Baker showed up. I'm asking you, since Baker showed up, they are now a 2-1 and one football team with their only loss coming against the Green Bay Packers. I'm asking you, comeback of the, well, I would say of great comeback, but we just saw Minnesota, but the big comeback against the Raiders, right? Guy, he doesn't know the playbook yet. Still, he orchestrates this great comeback against the Raiders, wins the game. Denver. And, and everybody, oh, Denver sucks. It doesn't. Listen to me. Are, are you seriously going to talk about a top five, top 10 defense that gave up 51 points? By far the most that they've given up. In fact, that might be the most points just about anybody's given up all season. Baker Mayfield and the Rams did that after the Packers held them to 12 points. 12. They put up 51. So you want to talk about the Packers haven't done jack because of the Bears and the Rams in Miami. Well, Miami's supposedly a really good team, scariest offense in football. The Bronco, uh, the the uh, who are we talking about here? The Rams have gone two and one and won two of their last three games. Only loss coming against the Packers, and so we're left with just the Bears. But um, I don't know, man. Let's look at the Bears for a second. I know the Bears have a bad record. I get all that. Packers did beat the Bears 28-19. to Then they played Philadelphia and Buffalo. Philadelphia only beat them by five points. And yes, Buffalo stomped them out, but that wasn't until they kind of took off in the second. It was a very, very, very close game for about the entire first half. The Bears are starting to get some of that Detroit Lions energy. Some of that, we don't really have any talent, but we're just going to play balls to the wall. We're going to go all out. We're going to give our 110%, and we're going to make this an absolute dogfight. I'm not positive who wins against Bear, with Bears in Detroit. I'm really not. The Bears kept it close at least the last three games. It was the same with the Packers. They were winning until the Packers, you know, eventually, again, took off. And maybe that'll happen in Detroit. The Bears will take the lead. And then the fact that they suck will start to pour out, uh, pour through and everything else. But 
you got one of the better rushing teams in the Chicago Bears against one of the worst run defense teams in Detroit. Detroit just coming off an embarrassing loss. Everybody's super ticked. We'll get to that in a second. I think, please tell me I saved that clip. Please. Yes, I did. Okay, good. Little mini laughing at the Lions segment to end this. But, but in reality, look at the last three weeks. Who has had a rougher schedule? The, the Lions or the, the Packers or the Vikings? It's not even close. And the only reason everyone's laughing is because they're looking at the Rams historically being trash, the Bears historically being trash, and by historically, I mean 2022, the entirety of the season. And then Tua, you know, well, yeah, but he got a concussion or something. And then you look at the Vikings and they're like, well, dude, they played the, the, uh, the Giants and the Colts. And yeah, the Colts struggle a little bit, but I mean, they got some kind of energy going with the new coach, which was like a thing for one week and then wasn't a thing. And then the Giants, I mean, the Giants have been playing real strong this year and they got Saquon on, on track. Dude, they suck. Both teams. I've, I've already told you, I think the record is 1-9-1. and for the two teams combined over the last, what, 12 games? Six weeks? 11 games, because one of them had a bye in that stretch. It's not even close, but again, the shorthand, the shorthand, the shorthand, the shorthand. Everything we know about the Rams is, is shorthand based on, well, everybody knows the Rams suck this year. Okay, but you can't just say this year. Nothing happens that is constant from September to December. I went on a, a scolding with the enemy with uh, one bar in Lupagus yesterday. Uh, I love hanging out with those guys. Real good Vikings channel. Um, if you're interested in checking them out on YouTube and whatnot, but they asked the question, what's different since we've seen you in week one? It's like literally everything. When the Packers and Vikings last played, the Packers had one of the worst offenses in football and the Vikings defense was a thing to be feared. Hence the reason the score of that game was 7-23. to It's so funny that everybody's like, oh yeah, look what happened week one. Justin Jefferson's going to shred you again. It's like, shred it? You scored 23 points. You act like you scored a bunch of points to get. You didn't. The Packers were at their absolute worst with zero offense and could not stop Justin Jefferson to save our lives and you managed 23 and now you're going up against a Packers team that actually has an offense and now the defense, at least in the second half, is really starting to find its swag. By the way, to start the season... By about weeks four or five, everybody wanted Rich Passaccia fired because nothing's fixed and everything's horrible and this is terrible. And I was trying to tell people, like, actually, our special teams is a lot better. I know there's been some mishaps, but I'm telling you there's been a lot of progress. Anyways, at this point, does anybody want Rich Passaccia fired? No, they want Rich Passaccia for president of the United States of America. What's different? Everything. And that's true of all the good and bad teeth. The 49ers. 49ers are trash. So why is everybody so hyped about the 49ers? Well, because suddenly they're not trash. Things change. 49ers are 4-4 four and four before their bye week. They are 7-0 and oh since their bye. 7-0. and oh. And their defense allowed the most points the entire, uh, since their bye week of the entire season, and it was 20. Since the bye, 16-10-0-17-7-13-20, the defense is stupid. They're the number one defense in football, and they weren't even this good prior to their bye week. Kansas City put up 44, the Falcons put up 28. I mean, the rest are all pretty low, but even with that, number one, and I'm guessing by a mile, stuff changes. Do you remember when Seattle was basically unstoppable? They were at 6-3 and three after a four-game winning streak. They're 1-5 and five since then. Seattle was just this absolute powerhouse. It's like, how is this possible? They're supposed to be the worst team in football. 
Right now, they might be. But everyone looks at it like, well, they're kind of middle of the pack because they're seven and eight. Well, that's the season. Where are they at right now? Seattle is one of the... Let's just, let's just do this real quick. Here's how most people see the teams, I would assume, in terms of, of best or worst. And it's based on their season record. Philadelphia, Kansas City, Buffalo, Minnesota, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Dallas, Baltimore, the Chargers, Miami, the Giants, Seattle, Detroit, Green Bay, Jacksonville, Washington, Tampa, Jets, Tennessee, New England, blah, blah, blah. And there's going to be some, you know, Minnesota maybe isn't this high because they're kind of frauds or whatever, and San Francisco should be higher because we've kind of figured that out or whatever. But, but this is just sort of the general list of how we view things. This is where they're at for the season. What if you look at it from the midway point? San Francisco is the best team in football at 8-0 in the last eight games. So it's, it's eight or nine games, depending on if you had your buy or whatever at, at the midpoint. Cincinnati. Actually, you know what? Uh, where's a win percentage? That would be better. Not going to give it to me. All right, that's fine. Don't care. Don't need it. Then you have uh, Philly, Minnesota, Buffalo, Kansas City, and Cincinnati with seven wins. Detroit, Baltimore, Dallas with six. The Chargers, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville with five. Again, Jacksonville, higher than most people would probably think. Pittsburgh, maybe higher than people would think. Then you have, let's just go from the bottom, Chicago is 0-8. Indy, Arizona, and Houston. Again, Indianapolis, Arizona, near the bottom. Then at two wins, you have Atlanta, Denver, the Giants, the Jets, and the Rams. Well, the Rams, most people don't like the Giants and the Jets, though. All right, what if we even bump up the timeline a little more? How about the last three weeks? Arizona, Miami, the Jets, Tennessee, and Seattle are the only 0-3 teams. You got Washington, Indy, Chicago, and Atlanta are the 0-2 teams because stupid late-buy teams, Packers included. 3-0 teams include San Francisco, uh, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Buffalo, teams that you would expect. However, Jacksonville and the Chargers are also on that list. If you look at the 2-1 teams, Baltimore, the Rams... Pittsburgh, Philly, Minnesota, Detroit, Dallas, Carolina, uh, and that's it. The 2-0 and o teams, New Orleans, Green Bay, and, and that's it. So again, it, it, it changes based on how late in the season you look. Some of them are constant, right? San Francisco, pretty clear. Kansas City, very clear. Cincinnati, Buffalo. Some of the teams, it's not quite as clear. Some of the teams didn't start good, but are getting good. Some of the teams did start good and are starting to get really bad right? Worried about the Giants going 0-2, and and then you realize, dude, they're one of the worst teams in football, along with Seattle, along with Washington, all the teams we need to lose, that at one point in the season were really hot, are now one of the worst teams in football. Things change. Anyways, let's um, quickly move on to this. This, again, is Purple Daily. I'm realizing this guy is like the Vikings version of me. Um, Hold on, dude. Hold on. I tried to pause it. You don't listen. He's like the Vikings version of me. He's, he's very, um, can be very sarcastic, and he likes to, to go for the kill shot. I like to think the only real difference here, though, is I provide a little bit more context and data, and a lot of this is silliness. But let's, um, I want to go through at least part of this video. And again, just kind of go point by point here. The title of the video by Purple FTW Podcast, No One is Scared of the Green Bay Packers. No one. Let's do this. It has been so delightful this season watching the downfall of the greasy, grimy Green Bay Packers. And I I know they've strung together a couple of wins in absolute fluke fashion. Hey, congratulations for picking off a concussed Tua three times. All right. So again, watching the downfall. This isn't a downfall. The 
Packers had, and, and, and this is this is the the whole point. And he's going to mention this like seventeen different times uh, in this video and other videos. What about the losing streak? What about the losing streak? You went on a one, two, three, four, five game losing streak in the middle of the season. What about it? What about and why is that the most important thing? They're four and two in the last six weeks. The last three wins have been, the last three games have been wins, but they're four and two the last six weeks. Why should I pay more attention to the five game losing streak than the four and two run since then? One of those losses coming to Philadelphia, by the way. The other one was a terrible matchup against Tennessee, which I told you was an awful, awful matchup. Same reason I'll tell you right now, we will not beat the 49ers if we see them in the playoffs. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But again, the, 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 the nonsense, you, you won three games, whoop-de-doo. Okay, well, three games is not whoop-de-doo. Pretty much any 3-0 and uh, run in the NFL is impressive. And the idea that Tua was concussed and that's the, okay, whatever. But this is not what you would call a downfall. I know that's what you want. You're trying to ignore all of what's actually going on in the world and the fact that the Vikings are actually a worse team than the Packers are right now, and the Packers are maybe the best team in the NFC North as of this moment. I know you don't want to acknowledge that and want to just pretend that this isn't happening and just say, no, 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 they lost five in a row. They lost five in a row. Don't pay attention to anything here. It doesn't matter that they won three in a row prior to that. And then lost five in a row, and then are back on their on their you know pretty good winning run here. No, no, no forget all that. Downfall. They're done. They're they're they're, they're cooked. They're, there's no there's nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Please stop looking behind the curtain. It just it just smells like desperation. In the fourth quarter, fantastic man. But a, a- Ron Rogers, the the alleged, the, the fraudulent back to back NFL MVP. Fraudulent. First of all. As I've said, 2019 maybe didn't super deserve it, but he was, you know, top two or three. Uh, 2020, he absolutely deserved it. And um, of all fan bases in the world that should never use the word fraudulent in 2022, the Vikings are at the absolute top of the list. Everything about this team is fraudulent. The entire franchise is a massive walking fraud. Just this season has been no bueno, and you just love to see it falling apart, falling apart. Again, falling apart. Nope, nope. They're four and two in the last six weeks. That's not falling apart. But again, just the smell of absolute desperation. Actually, the Packers are favored. No, 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 no. Nope, nope. That's just fat Packer fans spending a lot of money. Nothing to see here. Well, actually, their their uh, record recently has been better. Their point differential recently has been better. They're they're against the spread. Uh, they're they're you know. Ability to beat teams better than expected is much better than the Vikings. Um, they're on the uptick. The Vikings are on the no, 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 no. Falling apart. Ah, I'm going to sing a song. They're falling apart. La, 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 la. Can't hear you. This is pure desperation. I mentioned this on on Twitter, and there was a Bears fan um, who was like, no, 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 no. I actually want them to win. I want them to get into the playoffs so that they can lose to the 49ers. This is such desperate, pathetic nonsense. No, you don't. And I'm not saying it's because you're scared of the Packers, but this is what they want. They want this falling apart. I want them to fall. Well, they they picked it back up and didn't really collapse. So even if they don't get into the playoffs, they they did turn it around. That five game losing streak really kind of kind of did us in. But they did turn it around. Even if we go one and one and miss the playoffs, you're talking about. A uh, five and three record, which is not terrible to end the season after starting three and one. Again, it was just that five game losing streak that that crushed the Packers. 
but it's very far from this this sort of ha ha you lost you suck which is what they're trying to push before it's even over before the game even happens nope nothing to see here art it's awesome man it's awesome and also remember the week one ass kicking that the vikings put on you it's okay first of all again having to go back to week one as though that's even relevant. Second of all, you scored 23 points. 23. That's it. The The reason you won, as he's about to point out, Zadarius is so great. He has one sack in like the last nine weeks, is because your defense shut down the Packers' offense. The Packers' offense shut down the Packers' offense. They put up 14 against Tampa. They put up 10 against the Jets. They put up nine against the Lions. Like I said, they, have, they did not find their offense until week 10 when Christian Watson emerged. After that, their three highest scoring games came in the next four weeks, 31 against Dallas, 33 against Philly, 28 against Chicago, and they've scored 24 against the Rams and 26 against Miami. That's all, by the way, the only game that is not above the NFL average, which is like 21, 22 points this year, was the week 17, uh, or the, the 17 point points against the Titans. That's the only one that was below the NFL. Everything else has been above. So what's the theory? The offense is going to shred the Packers. Why? Packers defense is better, and you only scored 23 points the first time. Is it that the defense is going to shut down the Packers? Why? Your defense was great to start the season. You now have the worst defense in all of football, and the Packers figured out their offense like five, six weeks ago. Again, this whole thing is just pathetic. Oh, look at week one. Harry Smith revenge game. Oh, by the way, yeah, uh, you know, people forget. Oh, oh, the Vikings are three and a half point underdogs heading to Green Bay. Yeah, Zadarius going to be back in that building. He's going to put up uh, a show and he's going to be after that. That's right, man. And, and the Packers, you know, trying to move on from Devonta Adams. What? Wait, I, I, I'm, I'm waiting for like the, the thing. Well, you forget the, the Vikings are, uh, or the, the Vikings are three and a half point underdogs, but you forget Zadarius will be back in the building. Okay, nobody forgot that, actually. Everybody remembers that. What are you talking about? Who forgot that? You think Vegas forgot that? Oh, shoot, you're right. The Vikings should be seven-point favorites because the guy who has one sack in the second half of the year is going to be back, and he's, he's just going to turn into beast mode and sack Rodgers like 100 times. This absolute garbage, garbage, garbage defense that gave up 24 points to the freaking Giants which, by the way, is the highest point total they've had since week 10 against the Houston Texans. Prior to that, it was uh, week 6. This is one of the highest scoring games the Giants have had all year. Wonder why. Probably because your defense sucks. Prior to that, you gave up 33 points in one half, in one half to the Indianapolis Colts. And if you think for one second, I'm going to give your defense any credit because the Colts decided to run the ball on first, second, and third down in the, in the entire second half, with Matt Ryan unable to complete four-yard passes, you're out of your mind. The Detroit Lions scored 34, Jets 22, Patriots 26, Cowboys 40, Bills 30. The defense is garbage, 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 garbage. Oh yeah, Zadarius is going to really get after Aaron Rodgers. You have the 29th ranked passing defense. Pass rush is included in that. And if you're telling me you have great pass rushers, then that even speaks worse of everybody else on your defense. Because if you're 29th and you have good pass rush, what the heck is wrong with your pass defense? How do you pressure the quarterback and have one of the worst pass defenses in football? Zadarius Smith had one sack against the Packers last time they met. Is that, is that the big secret sauce that Vegas forgot? That Zadarius is going to have one sack in this game? Ooh, good call, man. Great call, in fact. What are we talking about here? 
Adams won the guy away. And they're trying to say, hey, hey, don't worry, uh, Christian Watson and stuff. Cool. Lazard, cool. Awesome. Sammy Watkins, no, just kidding. We got rid of him. Romeo. Again, he's not saying anything. <laughs> you got Christian Watson, cool. Lazard, cool. Do you have anything to say about Christian Watson? Is there any input that you'd like to put out there? Or is this whole thing just like nanana boo boo? Sticking your fingers in your ears going, la, 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 I can't hear you. Because that's what this feels like. Is this, I mean, is this where Vikings fans are at right now? Your, your team is 12 and 3. And you're trying to convince everybody you're not frauds. And the best you can come up with is, ha, ha, nanana boo boo, you're collapsing, it's over, your season's done, ha, ha, you suck. Devontae left. Zadarius is going to come destroy you. Can't hear anything. Christian Watson. Nobody cares. Blah, blah. You're 12 and 3, and this is the best you can muster. I'm sorry. You have confirmed definitively that you're frauds. If this is all the ammunition you can muster, when the 12 and 3 Vikings are going up against like the four win Packers, the best you can muster is. Do you have a single data point here? Talk about Sammy Watkins. Oh, wait, he left. Right. He did. Because he was bad. Back when we needed him before, because he was one of the better wide receivers, now we don't need him anymore because we have guys that have stepped up. Like Dobbs, who you call Dubs. uh, Because you don't even know the guy's name. No, just kidding. We got rid of him. Romeo Dubs, great. Awesome, man. But we know. We know what's going on. And it's not even that he's scurred. It's incontinence because he's like 85 years old. But, uh, of course, uh, yes, also Boniva. Yeah, but all- So now Aaron Rodgers pees his pants because he's old. Again, this... <laughs> I've never felt more confident about this game than trying to listen to the Vikings fans rationalize why they're going to win this game. Like, give me something. Well, Vegas doesn't know what they're doing. Everybody forgot Zadarius is like a beast and is going to tear up Rodgers. Rodgers is old and pees his pants. Um, fat Packer fans bet on the Packers, and that's why the line is where it is. Christian Watson, you know, noises. Has anybody heard one thing? And then he goes on to talk again about the they, 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 they only beat these three teams and Tua was concussed. Talk about, talk about the Vikings now. Talk about the Vikings. Talk about how you almost lost to the Giants, who have not hardly won a game in seven, eight weeks. Talk about the Colts, same thing. Talk about how you lost to the Lions, remember that? By 11 points, you lost to the Lions. Talk about how you almost lost to the Jets, who suck. Talk about the 40-3 to loss to Dallas. There's no doubt the Buffalo game was impressive. That's the only one of the entire season. The only one. Again, every game that you won, you were supposed to win. You were favorited, and you won, and barely. Every other game that you were underdogs, even by a minor slim margin, one-point underdogs, you lost, and probably by a pretty wide margin. Those losses, those are the only games you were projected to lose except Buffalo, and you lost all of them. You're supposed to lose to Philly, you got destroyed by Philly. You were supposed to lose to Dallas, you got destroyed by Dallas, and you were underdogs against Detroit, which again, oh, Vegas uh, 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 doesn't mean anything. Just fat Lions fans, stupid, poor, gross people, probably smoking crack and spending crack money on, on you know, Lions. Stupid, idiot, fat, Vegas, dumb, slobby, redneck, blah, blah. That's, that's all that. Nope, you were underdogs because you were a worse team. 
and then you lost by 11, like you were supposed to, because the Lions are better than you. And then you were supposed to beat the Colts by, what, four and a half, and you barely beat them by three in overtime? And then you were supposed to beat the Giants by four and a half, and you only beat them by three, and barely. And now, for only the fifth time, I think, this season, you're underdogs. And again, your record against when you're underdogs is what, again? One and three in Lambeau in December, which the Packers have not lost in December in, in Matt LaFleur's entire tenure. Yeah, well, the, the Vikings got the Packers number. Yes, the, the, the Vikings did beat the Packers two years ago in Lambeau. Congratulations on that one. Last time the Packers played Minnesota in Green Bay, it was a 37-10 to 10 victory for the Packers. But hey, in Minnesota, the, a team that struggles week one, had an entirely new offense, offense that struggled for the first nine weeks of the season, up against a what was at the time a competent defense. Come on, man. So anyways, I'll be keeping my ear to the ground. Maybe the Purple FTW podcast. Again, traditionally, I've always thought a very good, reasonable podcast. Um, I, I think some Vikings fans might just be broken. I think some Bears, Vikings, Lions fans are just completely broken because the Packers are coming back. And it's just breaking their brain. So I'm going to keep my ear to the ground, see if I can find any reasonable argument for why the Vikings are, are a better team, are going to win on Sunday, other than Nanana Boo Boo. So if you see anything, be sure to let me know. Do follow a couple different Vikings shows on here. But anyways, before we get out of here, let's just check in on how the Lions are doing. They obviously had a, uh, a little bit of a rough run. I'm sure they're doing fine, though, right? Everything's, everything's not lost for them. Should be all right. I'm trying really hard to buy. I want to buy. I love what Brad Holmes is doing. Love the draft capital they've established. Love some of the draft picks they've had. I understand this will be one of the better rosters for years to come, given the direction they're going in. Having said that, there is no excuse to play like that on the road against that team. Now, you go to the Niners, you go to San Fran, you go to Philly late in the year. All right. I can live with that. Carolina, Carolina, your season was in your hands. You win that game, you vault into the playoff picture. You have full control. You actually, if you win that game, only need to win one of your next two games. Coming up as five-point favorites against Chicago. You have room for error, and you let it go. And that is what drives me nuts. Because at the time where you needed your team and your coaches to all be ready, they weren't. None of them were. Not Dan Campbell, not Ben Johnson, not Aaron Glenn. None of the players offensively or defensively, nobody was ready. And that blows my mind that a coach can come out after the game, not just Dan, any coach, and say, that's on me. Didn't have the players ready to go, man. How? What the fuck are you doing all week, huh? How? It's the NFL. You are paid to play on Sunday, in this case, Saturday. How are you not up for a game? How are you not up for the biggest game of your fucking franchise's history since, what, 2016? Mm -hmm. How are you not up for a road game against a team that has been struggling? A team with an interim head coach. A team with no quarterback. A team with no offensive line. And you get pushed around and bullied? And you get manhandled at your own game? So disappointing, Jeff. Yeah. 